program of St. Louis. Washington University. Washington University. Washington University. Political Review. Political Review. Hi, everyone. My name is Erin, and you're listening to the Purple Podcast, brought to you by the Washington Political Review. Today, we are covering the highly controversial topic, Greek life versus abolish Greek life at WashU. More than two years after the inception of the abolished Greek life movement, where are we at? What makes this topic so divisive? And more importantly, how do we proceed? First, a little background information. Greek life can trace its origin back to the Civil War, when Robert E. Lee inspired his constituents to bond over their anger and disappointment at the loss of the Civil War by creating exclusive and elitist societies that would soon take over higher education. 100 years later, women were allowed to partake and people of color were allowed to join in more than 100 years after that. Abolished Greek life began in the summer of 2020 at Vanderbilt University after several decades of witnessing the unchecked corruption of Greek life. This movement quickly spread to WashU. After enduring years of abuse, students had finally had enough. Victims and allies organized protests and spoke passionately about their experiences. More than 50% of Greek life members relinquished their status and several fraternities and sororities were deactivated within the span of only four months. Here's a quick history of Greek life at WashU in all of its glory. Well, unfortunately, we don't have time to make it through every incident, so I'll just mention a few more notable instances. In 2005, Kappa Sigma made headlines when WUPD discovered two students in the process of kidnapping their pledge fathers in a U-Haul van containing alcohol. In 2013, a group of SAE fraternity members photographed black students in Bear's Den while chanting racial slurs. In 2013, a group of SAE fraternity members photographed black students in Bear's Den while chanting racial slurs. The members involved were giving warnings from the university. That same year, members were also pictured in front of an American flag while pointing guns at a peer in an obviously Islamophobic demonstration, which they proudly posted to their Facebook pages. In 2017, members performed a choreographed dance for Kappa Karaoke in which they mimicked sexual assault in front of the student body. These members were suspended and later released an apology. In 2018, WPD discovered several assault rifles in Phi Delta Theta House after members were photographed posing with them. The fraternity was permanently suspended as they were already in violation of their temporary suspension, quote, due to an unrelated charge. Proving to be a very eventful year, in 2018, a survey conducted by the WPA reported that respondents had experienced unwanted sexual contact from a member or members of every fraternity on campus. Survey creator Rachel Lynn Braley says she expected the survey would identify at least some fraternities with low incidences. Quote, the survey showed that's a myth. There are no safe fraternities, she says in a quote to Stud Life. In spring of 2022, Me Too Wash You on Instagram conducted their own survey, allowing survivors of sexual assault from a member of Greek life to expose which fraternities they belong to. Weeks after it was published, the list had to be revised multiple times to accommodate new accusations. The list now includes nearly every fraternity on campus. More recently, as spring recruitment began in 2022, Beta Theta Pi came under fire for its merger with Sigma Chi. WashU suspended Sig Chi until 2024 for committing numerous violations and failing to adhere to their probation guidelines. Beta and Sigma Chi merged to evade the ban on rush recruitment and frout house usage that was imposed on Sig Chi in fall of 21. 
brought to the public's attention by the Instagram and activist page Me to Wash You. This is particularly concerning because of the fact that there are at least two known perpetrators in Sig Kai. Following through with the merger proved that these houses thought themselves above the rules. The conflict seemed to come to a head in spring of 2022 when the student union sent an email to the class of 25 warning them of the nature and history of Greek life at WashU. Signed off by several members of SU, including its president, Rain and Yao, the message resulted in fierce backlash from fraternity members in SU, who promptly attempted to impeach Miao for the, quote, discrimination. Much to their frustration, the impeachment failed in a vote of 11 to 4, the four being members of Sigma Phi Epsilon and Sigma Alpha Epsilon. <laughs> it also prompted responses from the Women's Panhellenic Association and the Interfraternity Council. In an open letter addressed to the WashU community, accomplishments such as the administration being, quote, in full support, members keeping up with the average campus GPA, and maintaining pride in reforms made are noted. Interestingly enough, this letter does not include what reforms have been made, although it does list adding anti-discrimination awareness programs, providing resources for survivors of sexual assault, and having, quote, thought-provoking discussions as future endeavors. It is fall of 2022, and we are still waiting expectantly for these changes to take place. Others have come to the defense of Greek life through burner pages and anonymous posts, as well as a few articles. One of my favorites, published to Stud Life by 2020 graduate and former Sigma Chi member, Ben Goodfriend, details Ben's experience as a member of Greek life and why, in his opinion, the misconduct of Greek life members shouldn't call for abolition, as it is all in good fun. He says, quote, We made mistakes, and I made mistakes. Innocuous things like smoking weed indoors. Serious mistakes like fighting or drug abuse. The vice was inextricably linked with the fun. End quote. That's an interesting statement to use in your defense, but we'll work with it. He says that his fraternity, quote, attracted a wide array of people, including rich kids and, well, poor people who wanted to meet rich kids, as well as kids who like to drink and smoke weed. Ah, yes, the American dream. As a poor person myself, I can confirm that my lifelong goal has been to meet a rich person. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Washu. Anyway, he ends with saying, quote, if you abolish Greek life, you don't do anything positive. You don't stop sexual assaults. You don't end exclusion or racism. You just eliminate a fun part of a university. So in defense of Greek life members, they don't have the most uh, eloquent activists on their side. But let's be serious for a moment. Full disclosure here about myself as writer and organizer of the podcast, I do consider myself aligned with Abolish Greek Life. As a poor person and a survivor, there are several aspects and traditions I can't condone, nor do I see them going away anytime soon. However, I would like to highlight a real perspective from some that are in Greek Life while I'm at it. Through personal interviews with several current members of Greek Life, I have learned that the number one reason for rushing in the first place is just the desire for community. Many members opened up to me about their mental health struggles, especially during the pandemic. One member even told me that they considered leaving WashU altogether after they found themselves in such a dark place, it seemed that there was no way out. But meeting their new friends from Greek life inspired them to stay. However, this community often comes at the expense of one's morality. Several members also spoke about the injustices they've witnessed themselves. While not necessarily as outright as previously mentioned examples, Inappropriate comments and behavior still occur within these circles and often go unaddressed to preserve the idea of reformation. Assaults do still occur and parties still happen with no regard for COVID precautions. 
Graduate and former Beta Theta Pi member John Harry said in an article published by Stud Life that he had spent two years trying to reform Greek life. But when the abolition movement formed last summer, quote, it felt like a cover had been lifted from my eyes. Time and time again, someone would express that Beta didn't feel safe, or we would find out that yet another person had been the victim or survivor of sexual assault. We would try to make a change, and then the same thing would happen again. We were fixing a leaky faucet while the house was flooding, end quote. Not everyone allows these things to occur, and despite the university's refusal to enforce these reforms, individual exec boards are creating changes within their own chapters by introducing facilitated discussions and lessons, hiring new diversity chairs, and issuing carefully worded threats to the more rambunctious members. However, it's undeniable that any change made by these few members is unsustainable and unlikely to continue past their time at WashU. These changes are not uniform across all chapters, and there are still certain houses known for the reputation of allowing discrimination and sexual assault to continue. The problem here isn't just cultural, it's institutional. So how do we create institutional change? One thing I know for sure is that change cannot and will not be made by students taking upwards of 16 credit hours who are involved in countless other projects and organizations like literally every WashU student I know. The answer lies in Campus Life, the administrative organization responsible for Greek life oversight. Despite it all, Campus Life has defended Greek life numerous times. At a panel held by the Student Union, Campus Life's then-executive director, Rob Wild, stated that, quote, we all share responsibility for the racial harm Greek life has caused Black and minority students. This was in response to questions over the anonymous submissions to Instagram accounts, such as Black at Wash U and Why I Dropped Wash U, detailing the racist abuse and discrimination they faced during their time as members of Greek life. Campus Life has also stated that, quote, if students don't want to be a part of or have these groups on campus, they have no place on our campus. However, they have yet to respond to a 2020 survey that showed 65% of respondents called for abolition. Most notably, yet also most ignored, Campus Life has failed to uphold an existing ban of all freshmen being at fraternity and sorority houses or events for at least the first three weeks of school, as freshmen are particularly unsafe from, quote, a sexual assault perspective. This was published in a 2015 report by the Task Force on Relationship and Sexual Violence, a task force that the university employed to suggest changes the university can make to keep students safer. After a protest organized by Me Too Wash U, Rob Wilde denied even the existence of this report after a student leader called on him to explain campus life's inaction. Arguing, I might expect, but ignorance? Concerning, to say the least. So, how do we proceed? Many campus activists agree the first step is dehousing. According to an article written by Rain and Miao, replacing these houses with affinity housing would offer immense benefits for marginalized students. This has occurred on several college campuses already and seemingly shows great results. In order to do this, WashU would have to terminate their housing contracts with IFC fraternities. While WashU has yet to agree to this, they have replaced the Phi Delta Theta house with co-ed housing and Beta Theta Pi with transfer housing. However, this isn't enough. WashU must publicly commit to reallocating fraternity space for minority students. Of course, this is met with staunch resistance from Greek life members, claiming that dehousing would only lead to off-campus fraternities known as book clubs, which are known for their dangerousness due to the lack of a university authority. You might be wondering why I'm not mentioning sorority houses in this dehousing discussion, but if you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. 
Why don't we have sorority houses? According to an outdated and misogynistic Missouri law known as the brothel law, it is illegal for four or more unrelated women to rent an apartment or house together. My question for Greek Life members against the housing, why aren't you advocating for sorority housing? If a sorority house is breaking the law, I can think of plenty other female identifying upperclassmen living off of campus as literal criminals right now. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. In an article written by yours truly, we compare Greek life at Wash U to the leftovers your roommate has left in the sweet shared mini fridge for so long, it's grown more hair than Andrew Martin and is basically considered a sophomore at this point. When these leftovers begin to ooze, rot, and reek, do you take it out, pat it on the back, tell it to stop decaying, and throw it back in the fridge? Or do you clean out the damn fridge? Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Greek Life versus Abolish Greek Life at Wash U, brought to you by the Purple Podcast under the Wash U Political Review. Again, my name is Erin. Please like or share whatever and stay tuned for future episodes. Have an idea for an episode? Please reach out to me at e.h.rittere at woosel.edu to be featured on the podcast.